There is not a one-size-fits-all solution to leadership. Discover your inspiration to lead by hearing from those who are in the trenches each day, leading themselves and leading others. We will learn about their unique leadership style and identify the shared qualities between those who do it tremendously well. Welcome to the Lead with Empower podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Lead with Empower podcast. Season three is going strong. We are three episodes in, but very excited for our fourth episode of the third season of the Lead with Empower podcast. He doesn't remember this because he has he has had quite the football journey, but I do. Uh, we we uh, this next gentleman was a, a rival in, in the high school sports setting, specifically. I, actually, it wasn't even a rival. West Haven smoked us pretty much all the time back in the day. But uh, very excited to be joined today on the Lead with Empower podcast by Ulish Booker. He's from West Haven, Connecticut. He's currently the CEO of Spartan Global Network. He's had quite a journey from you know, from an athletic standpoint and from a professional standpoint. So, Ulish, thanks for coming on the Lead With Empower podcast. Really excited to hear your story. How the heck are you? I'm doing great, Dan. Thanks for having me. Oh, my pleasure. My pleasure. And uh, we have we were reconnected or connected by uh, Coach Kevin Loney, who's up at Bowdoin College. You yes. saw a couple posts on LinkedIn. So, I'll give Coach Loney his shout-out right out of the gate here for making the connection. But, uh, hey, before we get going with the whole COVID-19 thing going on, how are you? How's your family from a health and safety standpoint? Man, we're excellent. Um, and just, you know, just educating ourselves as much as possible. Um, looking at all of, you know, just asking as many questions as possible and just trying to find out as much information as possible. I think that's the best thing that you can do in this season is find out, you know, which lane you want to be in. You can be in the lane that believes everything that the TV says, or you can be in the lane that says, okay, I'm going to research this for my own. And, you know, I can pick and choose based upon um, the knowledge that I gain on my own. So we're choosing to educate ourselves. Great, great, powerful statement right out of the gate there. And this, and it's been, a, you know, almost a year at this point now uh, and we're with, with the COVID-19 situation being stateside and it has been, a situation where there's been many more questions than there have been answers. And I think, you know, a lot of times the only way to get those answers is to get your hands dirty. Absolutely. Absolutely. And then another, uh, I guess another check-in item. We, we recently saw Tom Brady win is like, I don't know. I'm not a, I'm not a big Brady or new England Patriots or, or Bucks fan, but any instant reaction from a four, a guy with a super bowl ring, a guy with a, a world champion, a world bowl championship ring. Well, were you surprised by what happened on Super Bowl Sunday? Absolutely not. Um, first of all, let me say that um, as a Michigan State Spartan, um, <laughs> let's get that clear. Get that clear, first of all. Um, so, as a Spartan, for the longest time, um, I had a hard time even accepting the whole Brady thing, even in New England. Um, you know, so I've, I've been softened up over the last three or four years. I have a cousin that's on the coaching staff of, of New England, and um, I've grown um, uh, pretty close with um, or have a relationship with Devin McCourty. Yeah. And so um, so starting there from the last two, three years, you know, I wasn't as hard or as edgy um, towards New England. But but as it pertains to Tom Brady, um, having been through the experience of winning a Super Bowl, um, and being around, you know, 
being around the World Bowl Championship, um, you you get the chance to see what exactly um, it is that allowed Tom to do what he does. You know, um, number one is the culture of the organization. Number two, um, execution fuels emotion. And when you're winning and, um, and everybody's accountable, um, you know, those, you know, it's something starts to happen. Yeah. Uh, when, when, when Pittsburgh won Super Bowl 40 and I came back the sixth week of the season, we didn't lose a game at that, after that point. Yeah. And so something starts to happen. All the intangibles, all of the things, the cliches that you've ever heard, they start to mesh. You know what I mean? You got veteran leadership. Yeah, you got a, a great front office. You got a great team that you play for, a great town to play in. And all of those things start to add up. And, you know, one thing leads to another. Everybody starts buying in. You start looking at the guy next to you, um, and you say that, hey, I don't want to be the guy to drop the ball. And yep. it just happens. And so as, as it pertains to Brady, there's a formula that he's uh, created from being in New England and having that success. And so um, it's on and off the field. And basically the reason why I had to give him his kudos is because he was able to take that from the AFC, come to the NFC to a seven and nine bucks team, basically spread his culture, infect the guys around him and, 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 and do what he does. Yeah. So, so, so based upon that, the Super Bowl was actually won during the NFC championship game and it was lost during the AFC championship game. I don't know if you, I don't know if you remember Buffalo, um, uh, Kansas city was getting a little cocky yep. towards the end. The game was getting edgy and you could just tell and sense the arrogance, um, of success. If you will, um, it's one thing to win and to be confident and excited, but it's another thing, you know, as a former player, there's things that we can do to egg on the other side. And it's so you can see that. Too. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Yep. you can see that from the Kansas City side, and then you can see it from the NFC side with Brady, you know, I mean, they just they, he just started doing what Brady does to Green Bay. And you and the and the other thing that I, I want to point out is that going into these games with Tom Brady, you gotta think, I'm going against a guy. To, who's arguably the best to ever do it at his position, all right? He has more Super Bowl appearances than anybody. He has just as many rings or more rings than anybody in the NFL now, of course. And so as on the other side, you know, things start going left. You know what I mean? He, Guys start looking at each other. him. <laughs> yeah, flag here. And you, you got to look across at Brady. <laughs> never mind the friendly, never mind the friendly fire. Okay. <laughs> so, um, it's, a, it's amazing. Um, uh, 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 you know, the, the, the intangibles that, that he brings to the table, you know, um, so. unbelievable. And, oh, yeah. uh, you know, for a guy, a Michigan State guy, to talk so glowingly about a Michigan whoa, 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 guy, whoa, whoa, we might have we might have to edit that one out. Yeah, you might. Have to. <laughs> hey, listen, I'm just acknowledging greatness. You know, um, you know, in front of me. I mean, it just is what it is. It's bad, and as much as I dislike, you know, you know, as an athlete, you yep. got to acknowledge it. You know what I mean? When you're talking about leadership and empowerment, you know. You know, there's certain things about the leader that's in front of you that you may not like, that you may not want to embrace, but you cannot deny his success, his ability to win, his ability to get the job done. And, I mean, and you, to build culture too. I mean, because like you said, it was 
they had a like every I remember like week four, what's wrong with the Bucks? What's wrong? And then all of a sudden, week five, six goes, and then they're they're off. And yeah. it was it you usually when you have this influx of a big personality, it takes a year for everybody to get their footing and to kind of become man, it took like four weeks. <laughs> um, and 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 that's and that's the thing as athletes, we've all been trained on how to embrace or we've heard those those cliches we've heard them um when you got a guy like tom brady you have to embrace them or you 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 work harder to figure out what it is that that it actually is and bring it to fruition yeah you know yep. that's that's my you know that's my personal opinion because you you see guys that norm okay antonio brown um mike evans these guys these guys have Egos. These guys are who they, they're wide receivers. You know they're not yep. offensive linemen. They're D linemen. So you know they have um, mindsets that allow them to be who they are. You know, and so what Tom was able with Tom in BA. Yeah. Um. You know, because I was with BA in Pittsburgh. So you know th- that that winning culture was all over Tampa. Think about it. Uh, Larry Foot. Um. Uh. What's the guy? I forgot the other. The, the assistant head coach uh, oh, was in uh, Pittsburgh. Leftwich uh, at the OC was uh, was in Pittsburgh as well. Byron Leftwich was yep. in Pittsburgh. Bruce Arians is in Pittsburgh. Okay, and Tom Brady, and 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 still Antonio Brown. Yep. Whatever you you know, at the end of the day, he was there, so he understands the culture of doing what you have to do to get where you're trying to get to. Yep. All right. So. We'll, yeah, we'll, put, we'll put the no, no. We'll put the Wolverines versus Spartan thing aside, and with a, with a Spartan. So you also played with. Um, uh, Plaxico Burris. Yes. And uh, as a Giants fan, he was, you know, part of one of the most memorable, the the 18 and one situation. Talk a little bit about, um, I actually had uh, Kevin Gilbride, who was the OC for the Giants. Right. Um, you know, during the run and, and he spoke so highly of, of Plax. Right. About how, he, you know, model for the young rookies in the room, kind of hurt every week and grinded it out, gutted it out on Sundays. Talk about him as a teammate and what leadership characteristics uh, stuck out to you from Plaxico Burris? Well, first of all, Plaxico was strong as an ox. He was skinny <laughs> as about a tree, but he was strong as, you know, he was strong. Uh, Plaxico is from Virginia, Virginia Beach, and he's also a Leo. I'm a Leo. So um, at the end of the day, as far as leadership, just the just the unmitigated gall to get it done. Yep. You know, he was just one of those types of guys. Let's go get it done. You know what I mean? I'll ne- never forget um matter of fact it was the michigan game of 2001 where basically um he dominated david terrell or anybody that was in front of him he just dominated the whole freaking game yeah basically by himself he just dominated the game and so um i got to see and learn you know a lot of those attributes at an early stage in my career and just see success um as it pertains to uh your your peers and plex was just one of those guys he was just one of those get it done type of guys yep yep and that that mentality that attitude works not just in sport (laughs) and we're going to hear more about that as we get into ulish's story um you're currently the ceo of the spartan global network now we're going to We'll get into more details, but how how young of a company is it? And just give us a little bit, a quick one-liner, your quick elevator pitch about the Spartan um, Global Network, Ulish. So basically, Spartan Global Network, um, it's an online platform 
that provides lifestyle uh, benefits, uh, financial service benefits, um, and discount rewards. Um, we're in our uh, infancy um, because it deals with um, life insurance um, as, a, as a regulated product. Um, it took us some time to get to where we're at now. And so basically, um, it's something that I've been working on for the last three or four years, and we're just now in the launch phase. Great. Awesome. And tough time to launch, right? You know, with everything going on, what what do you feel really good about right now? Today, you know, today, February 16th, like, where's your confidence level at um, with this launch coming out, you know, during this time, you know, that time that we're all living in, uh, which is full of challenges? Well, um, I'm really excited. Um, I've been fortunate to be around and being be connected to a lot of um, significant groups, um, like my church organization, uh, Church of God in Christ is the largest um, African-American uh, Pentecostal organization in the States. So that's six and a half million people. Wow. Um, I have a relationship with um, other uh, Pentecostal organizations um, and other denominations what make up about which makes up about 23 million people. So at some point, we'll roll out to that group of folks. Um, and then at another point, um, you know, we'll, you know, hopefully we'll make some NFL connections to get access to some of their fan bases to, um, to provide and make available the product offering. So what makes me excited is I know that the place of, <clears throat> of where it was birthed um, and the efforts um, to do good, um, to do it fast um, and, and, and be um, effective as soon as possible. So based upon that um, and being considerate of people's um, financial positions, uh, however, still needing um, certain services and requirements, it put me in position to bring this thing together to fruition. So. Awesome. Yeah, no, and it rooting for you. And and I think back to our first year at, uh, at Empower in 2009 in the midst of this global economic crisis and everybody uh, our company's founder, Joe Dering, and I, you know, he hired me on, you know, before mm -hmm. opening tough time and people look at you like you're crazy. And if you can get through it and you have, you know, a service or a set of services that there's a need for, mm -hmm. you know, it's just a matter of kind of surviving the storm and, 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 you know, putting your best foot forward and it'll continue to grow. So really excited to hear about the Spartan global network in greater details. We get into the episode before we do though, really interested. So West Haven high school guy, you know, football, football guy. Talk a little bit about your journey from West Haven high school to where you stand today. And, you know, try to highlight your stops, you know, discuss, uh, you know, the, your, your, your time at Michigan uh, state uh, playing under coach Saban and, um, and, and really, you know, uh, for each of your stops, talk a little bit about, you know, the role leadership played for you. Cause you know, you, you know, the stats, everybody knows the stats, the amount of high school athletes that eventually get a chance to play at the professional level is slim and none, right. You know, especially from Connecticut. Um, so yeah, talk a little bit about, you know, your journey, number one, and also, you know, the role leadership played throughout to, I think in Connecticut, you have a lot of challenges to overcome when it comes to football, because it's not a Texas or a Florida. Um, so West Haven high school, tell us about your experience there. And you played for one of the you know, guy coached like 30, 40 years in Connecticut, Coach McCarthy. Talk a little bit about your experience at West Haven High Schoolish. So yeah, Dan. Um, <clears throat> I was I was originally I'm originally from New Haven. And um 
I tried to play, I tried to play pop Warner football um, at around age, uh, what, eight, nine, ten, somewhere in there. Yep. But I was too big. Um, <laughs> the weight limit was one fifty. I was one eighty one. I yep. remember it like, like it <laughs> like yesterday. So my cousin and I went to try out. My cousin made it because he he was a, he you know weight class. He you know he fit the, the mold. Me yep. too big. Fast forward, um, we're getting ready to make the transition. Um, well, I'm in eighth grade. And so um, having watched some of my cousins attempt to play football and, you know, kind of weaned out, nobody, you know, took it, took it far. My, my first cousin, now I have a first cousin that was, that played at Clemson under okay. Danny Ford with Michael Dean Perry and all of those guys back then. So I did have some, I did have a, a, a model to follow after, but I wasn't into football like that then. So what happened was I'm um, in the eighth grade. I was six, five, two ninety, And so um, my family had the opportunity to move from New Haven to West Haven. Uh, we moved to West Haven. Um, I started playing football, really didn't have any experience um, from a football standpoint um, or athletic standpoint, unbeknownst to me. Um, however, what I did have is I had a grandfather who was six, seven, about three fifty, um, from North Carolina, uh, a former sharecropper um, and just real blue, blue collar, tough, strong. He moved from Car- the Carolinas working 80 hours a week. You know, that was back when, you know, you could, you could quit one job, go down the street and get another good job, you know? And so he was working construction and he was, no, he was working at the hospital and he was working at Southern. Yep. So long story short, growing up around him, like picking up leaves around the house, was like, uh, you know, uh, platoon combat. Like, you know, <laughs> dude is like six, seven, and, you know, everything is like, duh, 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 you know. And so I learned early on about hard work very early on just from my grandfather. And uh, so fast forward, uh, get to West Haven High, never forget it. I walk in the weight room, and um, the coach – uh, he looks at me and he basically starts drooling. Literally. When I tell him I'm 6'5", 290, I'm in eighth grade. I'm a freshman. I mean, he has this dip in his mouth and he, Scott Benoit, Coach Benoit, shout out to Scott Benoit. <laughs> and he's looking at me and he's like, get, what? <laughs> so needless to say, uh, I'm on the freshman team. And um, and I just go, you know, um, and I'm, I'm introduced to to uh, triples, yep. uh, doubles, you know, and so um, th- there my career started. So from West Haven, um, West Haven is where I really learned. I think that I think that may have been one of the toughest um, or the best uh, preparation grounds for me. Um, we were, you know, we had an AstroTurf. We had a, it was a rug, a salt rug, basically. Oh, yeah. Um, and during the summertime, listen, I don't know anything about triples and conditioning <laughs> and any of that stuff. So, you know, I would say that was my my uh, rude awakening and introduction to football, <laughs> um, if you will, initially. And so get to West Haven, um, freshman, you know, I don't from a technical standpoint, I don't know what the heck I'm really doing. Yep. I, I'm just following the coaches and just, you know, you know, taking as, as, you know, as much, um, coaching as I possibly can. Um, 
from there, from that point, I just start doing what I'm coached to do. Uh, in the in, in the back of my mind, never to be outdone. You know, yeah. from a physical standpoint, because I'm the biggest guy, so I'm the biggest target. So the pride um, that I had, just from from a family standpoint and representing my name standpoint, I was just never going to be outdone from a physical standpoint. I may have, my technique may have been crazy. But, you know, nobody was just going to knock me on my tail. No, they don't teach six foot six, uh, 300 pounds. They don't teach that. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, I I was determined that wasn't going to happen. And so I might have had some hell of a stalemate. But, you know, ain't nobody going to knock, you know, ain't going to be knocked around. So at any rate, um, after my freshman year, I think uh, the summer of my freshman year, going into my sophomore year, I went to – went to Syracuse for a football camp. Yeah. Um, at the Syracuse football camp, Ed Ogeron was actually the D-line coach at the time. Um, I'll never forget it. Uh, I walk in, I'm in line and he's, he's coming. He's, he's, I'm in line with, the, with everybody else as we're checking in and he's walking down the line and he's looking at everybody. So he stops at me and he says, and as he's shaking my hand and feeling my shoulders and feeling my arms, Oh, you's a big one. You know, like, I can't wait to get with you. So, and I'm like, what the, what the, what is, you know? So, you know, at that time, so it was uh, Ed Ogeron, George DeLeon was there. Yep. Um, Jeff Stoutland, he was a grad assistant at the time who later becomes my offensive line coach in, at, uh, at Michigan State. You know what I mean? How small is the world? It's crazy. And so um, come back from the uh, Syracuse camp, um, and, uh, I started getting letters. Like, uh, my first day of school, I had letters from Syracuse and Nebraska after their national championship win, the Tom Osborne. Yep. So I'm like, Whoa, you know, and then shortly after that, the visits start, you know, the North Carolina States, the Boston colleges, you know, I'm starting to get letters from everywhere and all of that stuff. And so now I'm just doing football. Um, I'm just trying to stay, um, trying to stay healthy and just adjusting to the whole process because I was the first guy in 25 years to go division one from West Haven. Not to say that I was the only one athletically, but what happened was we kind of went into the thing with a, with a strategy or plan um, at least to be prepared for the NCAA. You know, when I got there, you know, it was like, you know, my first day of school, I come home with my schedule and it's like basket weaving one-on-one, um, home ec. And so my dad looks at my schedule. And he's like, oh, no, 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 no. This is not, you know, this is not, we ain't signed up for this right here. So we, 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 uh, my dad calls a meeting with the athletic director. He calls a meeting with uh, my guidance counselor. And from that point, you know, everybody became educated, if you will, about the NCAA process. And so that's how um, I kind of got on track to be eligible and just learning about eligibility because it, it wasn't the norm at West Haven. It just wasn't. Yep. And so um, to be, to be honest, I think in a lot of ways, I kind of blazed the, 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 the trail from me reaching the status that I reached to kind of shed some light on being prepared, it, you know? And so uh, coach Clary kind of got really, 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 really involved in that process and kind of took up, took up that that uh that mantle if you will to kind of help guys get as ready or as prepared as possible because after me you know there were several you know several division one guys to go division one 
And so um, after West Haven or during West Haven, Michigan State starts recruiting me. Um, Pat Shermer um, yep. is my recruiter. And um, Coach Saban comes. Coach Saban actually came down here twice to see me. And so, yeah, yeah. You know, looking at it, looking at who he is now, looking at, it, you know, back then, you know, so Coach Saban came. Um, Coach Shermer, basically, you know, these guys get me, you know, through the recruiting process. So what happened was um, I was actually slated to go to Syracuse um, because I'm a Connecticut guy. Yep. Um, the Connecticut pipeline at the time, Donald Dinkins, everybody from this area, you know, um, the McIntosh brothers, everybody was going to Syracuse. And so what happened was um, Coach Adazio was the um, was the recruiting guy for this area. So I, at the time, I was like 10 points shy of being a full qualifier. And so um, I had tried to schedule a visit, had tried to schedule a visit. And Coach Dodazio was like, oh, well, he's not, you know, he's not qualified yet. So, you know, so basically they wouldn't let me take a visit. Yep. So later on in the season, Michigan State, you know, you know, Pat Sherman was like, look, we'll take you no matter what. Because in the Big Ten, Big Ten could take, you know, uh, partial uh, you know, prop 48s, they can take, you know, obviously full. And so Coach Sherman was like, look, we'll take you no matter what. And so I went there um, for a visit and um, I had a, <laughs> I had a heck of a visit. I came home uh, from that weekend and uh, uh, Michigan State was playing Penn State. And I came home from that weekend and I committed to Michigan State. And so then after that, Coach Pascaloni called my dad. I don't know if he wants to come. We'll make it happen. Da, 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 da. So I ended up going to Michigan State. Um, at Michigan State, um, you know, actually Mel Tucker. No, I graduated. The next day, we drove to Michigan. I, I participated in a program called Super. Super was basically a college introductory um bunch of uh, prerequisite courses that I was able to take before the season uh, or basically for me to be on campus and something for me, for us to be doing. You can start the workouts too at that point, right? right. I'm assuming. Yeah. Yep. yep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so uh, I get there, you know, my, my family gets on campus. Um, I go to the football building and the first person I run into is, is Mel Tucker. Um, Mel Tucker gave me my first pair of sneakers to work out in. Um, and I often say, I don't know if I should punch him when I see him or, or hug him. And so, uh, basically we got checked in, check, I got checked in and enrolled in, in everything. And that, that morning, that afternoon I was working out now, listen, man, <laughs> nobody, nobody could have prepared me or could have told me about what I was getting ready to walk into. And so, um, I ended up working out that afternoon. Uh, with Robert Smith um, and a couple of couple, I think his brother was in Antonio Smith, um, who played on the uh, the, uh, the national championship team. Yep. And so, um, needless to say, like the first thirty minutes, I end up uh, I didn't I didn't throw up in the locker room, <laughs> no, in, the, in the weight room, but I found a way to I found I mustered up some strength to find my way to the locker room. So. <laughs> I end up falling asleep in the locker room. I'm laying down in front of my locker. <laughs> <laughs> Coach Manny comes and gets me. Oh no, brother, you gotta finish this workout. <laughs> 
and he makes he makes me finish the workout, and that was my first introduction to the weight room. And now the conditioning part of it, the one running the one tens. Now keep in mind at that time, Michigan State, another rug, another yeah. salt rug for turf. The sun is beaming. It's the summertime, and you know, no, nobody prepared us for this. And so, you know, that's where I learned how to fat man jog. You know, so, <laughs> you know, you got to make it make it look like you're giving an effort. And so, it wasn't until then, where you know, at that that cop collegiate level, you experience, you know, the the behind the scenes things. You yeah. know, yeah. and so um, after that, after that, um, what happens? So I'm partial qualifier, so I can practice, but I can't play. Yeah. So now I'm trying to make the adjustment from being the big man on campus in West Haven to now just being, you know, a guppy in the pond, you know, yeah, talk, talk, talk a little bit about that because you know, that, that's a huge diet. That's a huge shift, right. Going from a spot in Connecticut where you can, you know, for the most part, rely on your physical gifts, right. And learn the technique along the way to now you're in this environment where there's another guy standing right next to you. That's six, four, six, five. Um, who's a, who's a monster, you know, who can, Talk a little bit about that dynamic and kind of the what it, the effect it had mentally on you and kind of what you had to overcome to, to stay on track. Yeah, Dan, I think given my background and where I came from in West Haven and just, you know, just coming from that environment of God, the, the historically, you know, West Haven has been known to have, you know, seven-year, fifth-year graduates in high school. <laughs> You said it, not me. You said it. <laughs> but listen, at the end of the day, you knew you were in the game or you knew you played a game after you played West Haven. Yep. So the toughness and the intangibles, you know, a lot of those things I took with me to Michigan State. A lot of the things that my grandfather and my parents instilled in me, I was able to transition and carry that over to Michigan State. Um, however, it still didn't prepare me for the actual physicality of the game. Um, the weight room, um, the the, the uh, psychological readiness and understanding film and just football at that level. You, you, yeah. you, it's just something that you get thrown into. And eventually it's like uh, in The Lion King when Simba was running with the, with the herd and get bounced all over. You know, eventually uh, you grow to a place to stand your own. From there, um, you know, you start to learn how to become a student athlete. You know, you have to make the choice. Do I want to be that guy or do I want to, you know, be the guy that does it right and learn how to do it right? And, and ultimately it just comes down to making choices. You don't have a lot of time to do them. Um, for me, it was because I was a partial qualifier, I was able to practice, wasn't able to play. So, you know, being away from home. So there was a lot of things, a lot of adjustments that I had to make. All right. And so th th that was the biggest part of the transition is understanding how to juggle the sports piece, the academic, the, the, the sports piece and the academic piece, you know, and becoming a real student athlete, just not, you know, partying and just getting by, like really becoming a student, a student athlete. Um, and Jeff, I, I got to give it to coach Stoutland. He really helped me transition um, from just being a guy, one of the guys into being a player. Yeah. Um, I got to give him that credit <laughs> because there was a point in time, at Michigan State. So Coach Saban's there for my first two years. He leaves, goes to LSU. Um, Bobby Williams takes over, and Jeff Stoutland comes in 
as the O-line coach for Bobby Williams. Jeff Stoutland is a Connecticut guy. And at that time, I wasn't really, really um, sharp on uh, putting things together, if you will. But yeah. then I started looking up who Jeff Stoutling is. I mean, I'm a college athlete now, so I'm a college. <laughs> I'm in college. So I started doing a little research on who Jeff Stoutland is. And I'm like, wait a minute. He went to Southern. Then I look at Syracuse, you know, see on his resume, he went to Syracuse, he coached at Syracuse. I'm like, wait a minute. And so I started putting these things together because I had actually ran into him at the Syracuse camp back in my high school days. And so, um, you know, Coach William gets the job. Coach Stiles is the O-line coach. I end up running into him in the office on a Sunday night. And basically, you know, he just gives me the spill that, hey, listen, it's it's a new opportunity you know, a clean slate. And, you know, he gave me that spill and I just started buying in, Yeah, started buying in. And once I started buying in uh, from an academic standpoint, um, the, the athletic piece just fell into play and my ability to study film and learn my plays, it just became clockwork. And I just, you know, I wasn't one of those guys where you just sat the playbook on my head and by osmosis, it just happened. You know, I had to study, I had to watch film, and understand the game and understand, you know, first and 10, what tendencies are and, and, and reading under and over defenses and, and looking for keys. And, you know, I didn't learn that stuff at West Haven. You know, I learned that stuff at Michigan state in my second, second year with a new offensive line coach. And so basically my study habits just picked up drastically and in my study habits on, on the field and off the field. And that just helped propel me to be, to be more successful, to be quite honest. And that's one of the things, I mean, I think it's, again, a valuable lesson that applies to sport, but but beyond sport as well, the idea of, hey, if you're passionate about it, you have to put in the work, right? Without the repetitions, and, and not many people learn by put the book on the head and osmosis will take care. Most people learn by getting their hands dirty and doing it. Um, valuable lesson, again, like the love for the game was there, the the pridefulness, I think, to represent your family, which you've touched on, uh, you know, a handful of times already. And then it's a matter of putting in the work. And what a lot of people don't realize is that the college level, every, almost every athlete, if not every athlete is replaceable, right? So there's a new set of recruits. So if you're not doing your thing academically, there's a new crop of recruits coming in that are hungry for a spot. Um, and if you're slacking off in the weight room, there's a new crop of recruits that are coming in there hungry, looking to take a spot. So without the passion and the repetitions, you know, the, it's a short journey, <laughs> I guess, to say the least. A- a- absolutely. Absolutely. Um, you learn in that environment, the competitiveness of being where you're at. You know, I'll yeah. never forget after, um, after my, after my first summer, you know, I'm, I'm thinking, hey, you know, I'm, I'm going home for the, you know, for the summer. And so the guys, the, the veterans around me are like, yeah, you can go home for the summer if you want to, but just know you're not playing when you come back because you don't, you don't know what's going on. And so it was then that I learned that, okay, you know, this, this is a full-time, you know, full-time job year in and year out. You know, you ain't, ain't no time off. And so, um, like you said, you got a new crop of guys coming in. And, you know, every, they're trying to make the adjustment and you're trying to stay competitive and compete to keep your job. Yeah. And so that's just the process. And so a lot of the, a lot of the experiences and the adversities that you experience as an athlete, you're if you're smart, you take those things and you transition them into 
you know, civilian life. Yep. And it makes you that much, that much more better. Great. And, and which is a great transition because so you, you graduate uh, with a degree, family community services from Michigan state. Yes, sir. Uh, undrafted free agent with Atlanta didn't stick around. And then there's this kind of middle ground where you're not in the league. You're not in the pro level. Um, you know, talk a little bit about that part of your life where, you know, post it, post getting cut by Atlanta. Right. And it looks like you did, you did some substitute teaching. You went up to Canada for a little bit. Um, talk a little bit about that time in your life and kind of the challenges faced and, and some strategies utilized to overcome because you eventually make your way back. Uh, Pittsburgh Steelers overseas in NFL Europe. You're, you're part of a championship team there. Come back part of a championship team with Pittsburgh. Give us a little bit of that transition period there, Ulish. So it definitely was a transition. Um, so my third to last game in the big house, um, I sprained my MCL. I got like a third degree MCL sprain. Yeah. So, so the, you know, I get invited to the combine. Excuse me, I get invited to the combine and all that stuff. I'm not able to perform because I got a bum leg. So, um, don't get drafted. Sign with Atlanta. Get to Atlanta, and I'm making that transition, trying to, you know, grasp the whole NFL thing. Don't make it. Uh, get I get cut second to last cut in Atlanta, and I'm like boohoo crying. Yeah. Because, you know, you worked all of this time and, you know, you don't know what the next steps are. And so um, I was living in Atlanta for a couple of months. I tried to get a regular job, just trying to figure out what I wanted to do. So I ended up moving back to Connecticut. And what I had to come up with was that, OK, am I going to give this one more shot or am I going to go back into civilianhood? And so after talking and consulting with certain people, you know, you realize that, OK, this youth, you can't get back. And so the best, the, if you're going to do it, now's the time to do it. You got the rest of your life to be normal or whatever. So I have to figure out how to survive while I'm trying to train, while I'm trying to do, you know. So what happens is after the, after the Atlanta deal, when I got cut, unbeknownst to me, my agent at the time, he was going through, um, basically he had took somebody, he, he had took his money through, another one of his players signing bonus, which is illegal um, as an agent. Yeah. So he was being reprimanded by the league and not representing me. And so now I find myself home trying to figure out the next move. So once I figure all that out, um, find a new agent, start working out, start sending out tapes. Uh, and then that's, that's how I ended up on Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh's radar. But before Pittsburgh, um, I ended up uh, in Ottawa, Spent a little time in Ottawa, um, from Ottawa, uh, had a workout with Green Bay, the Philadelphia Soul, and Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh signs me, and and, and we, we go on from there. Um, this is kind of going in, in, in back a couple steps here, but you mentioned, and he, from uh, an outside standpoint, my, my father actually coached against him for years, so there's uh -huh. a relationship there. I remember as a freshman going to West Haven and seeing him on the sidelines and then all through the varsity time, the guy was an animal. <laughs> Have you ever crossed paths with another coach or, or similarly? Cause I, you know, to us from the outside, he was, he, it was like he was putting on the pads and he was an older guy and, <laughs> but he was a, an animal on the sidelines. Um, talk a little bit more about the impact he had on you you touched on the fact that he had a, a big role from, you know, from an educational standpoint for you as a young up and comer. Yeah. Um, 
Bert is the Bert Sicari is the epitome of West Haven football. Yeah. <laughs> I think he'll forever be the representation of 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 what it means to be a Westie. Um, I don't I don't think there's nobody that will surpass him in that regards. It, well, he'll, he'll, he's the most notable. I'll put it that yeah. way. I mean, there's a ton. There's tons of guys that are cut and built built from that same cloth. But Bert just stayed around longer. Um, so for the time period that he represented, uh, Bert was the guy, and Bert was unique in a lot of ways. He was able to relate to the players because he moved from barely, he was a middle school gym teacher. So he moved from there to the high school eventually. And so Bert stayed relevant, if you will. He stayed in guys' lives and it was more than on the field. You know what I mean? And he just took a liking to certain guys and just made sure that everybody was okay. Um, Bert was, um, he was the the epitome of being from West Haven from the standpoint socially, from a racial standpoint, you know, he, he never, you know, he made sure we knew what it was, yeah. you know what I mean? And, and he helped us embrace it for what it was, regardless of whatever was going on, you know, and he, he just built that type of rapport with all the players that he could have that type of space and we could receive where he was coming from. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so that's what Bert Sicari means to me. Um, I think he means that to every Westie as far as um, the uh, historically the the imprint that he's left on everybody's life. He, he just represents all of those intangibles from you know every aspect of life uh, and every impression that you could have on a young man at that age. Great guy. And then after the, you know, after high school, gotten to know him just a little bit again through, I think his relationship with my father more than anything, you know, tremendous individual and, you know, anybody from West Haven that I've crossed paths with have nothing but, you know, great things and, and some pretty freaking funny stories to, to, to talk about Coach LeClary as well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, Bert, Bert, once again, I think Bert must have the best stories, the craziest <laughs> stories. Um, and it was just a, a great experience. I, I, there will never be another Bert Clary. No other coach will ever come close to him. And that's just, he, he, he is a West Haven legend and yep. folklore. Yeah. Agree. Agree. So <laughs> jump and you, you touched on the importance of education. You, you are one of five guys, I believe to win the world bowl and the super bowl championship in the same year which is, uh, you know, in any, anytime you're on a list that small, it's a, it's a pretty big deal. Um, but, you know, you're out of the, you know, that, that part of every professional athlete's life doesn't last until they're 50, 60, 70. So, you know, as we transition into this next part of our conversation, which we'll talk about a little bit in greater detail, the Spartan Global Network and your adventure and entrepreneurship, just highlight again, I, you know, I, I, I can't stress for a young athlete to aspire to play competitively. The education is going to stay with you forever, right? Your, your ability to run fast, lift weights, catch balls, throw balls. It, eventually that starts to deteriorate Talk, for you personally, the importance of education and how it's helped you take this, this next step in your life as a, a as a CEO, as somebody who's starting a, a you know, his own business. I would say um, all the cliches that you hear as a young person, you know, or a young athlete, hey, you know, football doesn't last forever. You know, you got to get your education, blah, 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 yada, 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 la-da-dee, la-da-da. 
um, those things those things hold true. Those yeah. those they hold true. Um, at the end of the day, like you said, you stop running as fast, you stop jumping as high, you stop hitting as hard, and you know at some point, you know, you know, Father Time is undefeated. Yeah, he don't lose. <laughs> That's right. He does not lose. I don't care who you are. He doesn't lose. And so you have to have something to rely on. Um, and for me, education was a formal process of helping me complete whatever task that was in front of me, going through yeah. the college process. You know, those those are the things that that process, you can take it and put it and place it anywhere. Yeah. Okay, going to class, learning something and being able to apply it. You know, that, that's life. That's yeah. life in a lot of ways. And so the education piece was very, very, and it's very, very important because you will need it eventually in order to reimagine and redevelop who you are. Yeah. Which is a chat. I mean, you hear it all the time in the new, you know, on ESPN or NFL network where, Oh, this guy had a great career, but now he's, he's broke or he's struggling with X, Y, and Z. And it's probably because part of the reason at least is probably because that what you just spoke on the importance of the educational component was probably not taken as seriously as it could have been during those, you know, two, three, four years at the college level, you know, really at the end of the day. Absolutely. Because the, the educational process, just the interaction with, with your professors and your teachers and, you know, problem solving and navigating through different issues that comes up. These are all things that you can transfer into real life and, and take those lessons. And now it's not an element of surprise once you're in the real world. Hey, yep. I, if I experienced that in college or I went through something similar like this, with the professor or a class. And so you now you're able to navigate and, and work through situations that can help you later on in life um, as well as learn. And so yep. it's all a learning process. And if you don't know how to process and comprehend the learning process, then you just end up, you know, basically blank. And yep. so now here you are with somebody that's speaking one language and you can't comprehend because you haven't went through those processes to be able to comprehend what they're trying to reflect or give you. Yeah. No, awesome. And a great segue. So the Spartan Global Network, we heard a, a brief snippet about that at the at the opening of the episode. But give our listeners a little more insight into what the Spartan Global Network is all about. What are some of the services you offer? Um, and, and as we know, the launch is, is coming up. And, and so talk a little bit on that. What, um, you know, as far as you know, what services, I guess, uh, and, uh, is the SGN uh, ready to, uh, to, to provide to the, you know, the people that they're going to serve? Absolutely. So basically, SGN was, a, uh, was something that was birthed through my desire to help people and to make available uh, products and services that people typically use um, independently and kind of bring them all together under one roof. Yep. So uh, basically... What I was able to put together um, was an, an online platform that provides uh, there's telemedicine, there's roadside assistance, there's um, all types of discounts, um, discount rewards. Um, there's a, a cell phone repair uh, piece in there. And there's also a life insurance piece in there that's guaranteed issue. It's all inclusive into the price. And so, which makes Spartan a little different than other competitors is that a lot of what we offer you actually get versus pitching or solicitation, if you will. Yep. yep. And um, just so everybody, our listeners, and this will be in the show notes, but it's uh, spartanglobalnetwork.com. 
Yes, sir. And we're still pre-launch, right? We're so we're yeah. getting closer to the yeah. launch, but it's yeah, not necessarily the website's live, but the services yeah. aren't live just yet. No services services are live. Okay. From a marketing standpoint, we haven't launched officially from a marketing standpoint. All right, copy that. Copy that. What? I guess what was your why? Right. So, like, you know, because to make this jump into you know, entrepreneurship, it, it requires a ton of hard work. It requires a ton of, I think, additional education that goes beyond, you know, the subjects of a high school or college class or classroom. What was it about, you know, you know, starting a business that kind of caught your interest and what, you know, what personally for you is, is your why with the SGN? Well, initially um, what drove me into entrepreneurship was, um, the freedom and just understanding the value of time. Yeah. You only get one life and um, the value of, to me, the value of who you are is the legacy that you leave behind. And so um, having had the experience in the NFL and having a taste of that life, I had to figure out what could I do that would allow me the freedom to do what it is that I'm destined to do. Yeah. And so um, what happened was I figured out that in order for me, basically I knew that I was going to get cut at some point in time in the NFL. So I had to figure out what type of career path would allow me uh, the opportunity to live at the level that I'm now accustomed to living to. Yeah. And so I just took the intangibles of being an athlete and being a competitor to say, okay, I got to find something that's going to allow me to be successful and be and sustain and provide for my family. And so that's, that's where uh, First Foot Forward, which was one of my initial businesses, was birthed um, after, after my playing career. And that was basically fee-for-service with the Department of Children and Families. Um, so it allowed me to do, do good, do it fast, and get paid to do it. So basically, I was doing supervised visitation and therapeutic mentoring for families that were in uh, DCF custody or DCF okay. care. And so from that experience, um, I started working in my national church organization and I get to see the value add that this organization brings. We're talking about uh, a, a group that's 115 years old now. And they, you know, for the last 12 or 13 years, they left about a half a billion dollars in the local St. Louis, Missouri economy based on the conventions that we have over a seven to 12 day stay. And so I get to see this value firsthand. And as a pastor's son, I understand that, you know, I understand life and death. Yep. People die. You know, we're, we're, you know, we all got to make that appointment one day. And <laughs> yep. so um, what happens is situations arise. Um, people aren't covered. People, people don't have the things that they need. And so that's kind of where the insurance thing was birthed um, and being able to come up with an insurance option to provide to middle-class America uh, who's often faced with um, which bill they're going to pay next, et cetera. And so I did a beta test initially. And after the beta test, that's when Spartan Global Network was the, the, the birth of Spartan Global Network was starting because I was like, well, there's got to be a way to include a bunch of services into one, uh, one entity and provide it at, you know, at a low cost that it's just simple, stupid. And so what I begin to do is started, I start using my network and trying to navigate through the process of how these things are, are put together. And, you know, after, you know, hooking up with different people, 
I learned, you know, these products go over here and you add these products together and now you have an offering and you, you figure out how these systems work. And that's how Spartan Global Network was birthed. Uh, that's great. And and you touched on it earlier in the episode about the importance of, of, of being able to compete, right? And the jump from the high school level to the college level, and then, you know, the jump from the college level to the pro level. It's just the, the level of competition, it, it, it gets higher and harder every kind of jump you make. Do you find in your, in like, I guess the early stages of the, the SGN, do you find that that is satisfying kind of that internal fire to compete for you? Definitely. Um, being that I'm in a different arena, a lot of times you don't understand. The person on the other side of the table, listen, you can Google me and all you see about me is football. Mm -hmm. And so they don't understand that I'm reading, I'm reading them. I've researched them. I researched the company. I'm trying to get and have an understanding of what I'm going into and just, just general experience from um, business negotiations. Um, and then being an athlete, like, like I'm, you know, if you're talking junk to me across the line, now I'm formulating the plan in my head. Well, it's the same thing in business. If your if your business demeanor is contrary to what I sense from a frequency standpoint, then I have to adjust and move accordingly. Yeah. And so a lot of my competitive attributes as an athlete, yes, I do. I, I try to take them, um, take them into uh, my business negotiations and my business dailies. So great. Great. Yeah, no, it's good. And I think, I think some athletes struggle with that if they retire and there's not that thing that can kind of get them back into that compete mode. Um, so it's great to hear that you're taking those lessons from the gridiron and applying them to this next adventure in your life. Um, you're, you're still, you're early in the phase, but you had, you know, a, a run with the, the first foot forward family solutions. What, from your vantage point, what is a, a bit of advice or wisdom you would give to somebody who's interested in getting into starting their own business? Research, research, research. Um, I, I think Google and the internet is one of the greatest things um, to ever uh, come to us. Uh, it's the gift and the curse, however, but in this yeah. context, um, it's very beneficial as far as, you know, anything that you want to do or want to know about, you can go to Google and find out. I don't care what it is. You can go there and find it out, which now makes your life that much easier. When before, when I was starting out, you had to call somebody to get that information or you had to, you know, you had to speak with this person or that person. Now that information is readily available on the internet. Okay. Yep. So that makes the, that makes the battle that much easier, you know, and yep. you can see historically what people have done, you know, depending on which, which field you're in. And so um, the research is what helps you decide, you know, am I going to go this route? Or am I not going to go this route? Or am I going to roll the dice? You know? Yeah. Yep. No, great, great bit of advice there. And I, I you know, I think a quality of a leader is lifelong learning right? and, and uh, it's, it's readily available versus when we were in high school and college where it was uh, library cards and trying to find books and all of that type of stuff. And the internet right. wasn't really much of a thing. So great advice there. And ladies and gentlemen, we're on the home stretch here with Eulish Booker. He's the CEO of the Spartan global network, former uh, uh, collegiate and professional athlete, 
Uh, can't you know? Can't thank you enough for taking a few minutes. We're on the home stretch here. I got a couple quick hitters here for you. Okay. All right. So you've traveled quite a bit in the states and and overseas or up up north in Canada. Is Connecticut truly the pizza capital of the world? Hands down. All right, my man. I knew it. I knew it. <laughs> Hands down. <laughs> Hands down. And you're, you're you know from from the area of Connecticut where if you're gonna if you're gonna get the best pizza, you're going New Haven. Yeah, absolutely. Hands down. <laughs> Hands down. Um, from either McCarthy, Saban, or Cower, three guys that you 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 played for in in your journey. Pick one of those guys and and a lesson that you you took from one of those guys that still sticks with you today. Okay, um, I can go down the line. Um, <laughs> McCarthy, think about think about the question you're going to ask before you ask it. <laughs> Love it. That's McCarthy, <laughs> Coach Saban. Um, attention to detail. And playing the game before you actually play it. That's that's Coach Saban. Coach Saban was the reps, first coach yeah. that I was around that had a psychologist come in to help players visualize how to play the game before you play it. So um, Coach Saban is uh, attention to detail um, and, and, and game preparation. Yep. Coach Williams, um, doing the right thing and being competitive. That's Coach Williams. Bill Cower, consummate professional um and how to approach the game and making his players ready and getting them ready to play uh play a game that's coach power love it a football lesson that you experienced again anywhere along the journey that sticks with you to this day like every day you wake up and and kind of that's in the back of your head um you know to get through a day successfully what is it and why um I would say the uh, Michigan State versus Wisconsin game. Um, I think that was the year that Wendell Bryant went. I think he might have went. It was either Wendell, yeah, Wendell Bryant and Erasmus James. They both they both were like first round picks, and they might have been like a year or two apart. Uh, but you know that was a game that started out um, started out rough, and then we just turned turned. You know, at the end of the day, Charles Rogers had a dominating two hundred yard type of game, and we ended up winning the game. Yeah, so that's the, that's one of the games that will stick out in my head. Great. Um, what do you hope the Spartan Global Network is able to like ten years from now? And you mentioned, I think, earlier in the episode, the idea of legacy, right? And you know, you what you do now is going to leave something for you know for the people that are here after you. What kind of impact do you hope SGN has on the on the people that it, you you plan on serving? The impact that I uh, hope that I'm able to leave is creating a platform that will serve serve the people, um, help them um, to build their legacy and help them increase their wealth and learn and become financially free um, and then help other um, entities uh, grow and expand. Uh, and I will uh, hopefully I'm able to be in a position financially to help be a blessing to other organizations that have a desire or other young people that have a desire to become entrepreneurs, um, all in the essence of helping people. Yeah. Love it. Love it. And then the last question, Eulish, is um, you've lived the journey from somebody who didn't have football background, but was, uh, was blessed with physical tools and kind of 
you know, you know, the, the, the route from the high school to collegiate ranks, uh, what advice would you have for an high school athlete, regardless of sport, right? Take the sport out of the equation, but what, what advice would you have for a high school athlete who aspires to play, you know, at the college university level, and then maybe even at the professional level? I think in the, in the day and time that we live in, there's much more information and preparation tools and resources available to aspiring athletes at a high level. Um, there's a, a ton more of workout facilities. Um, there's a ton more of online X's and O's. I mean, you got YouTube, you can learn every offense on YouTube. Yep. And so I think as a, an aspiring athlete to play at the next level, remove all doubt remove all questions, leave no stone unturned so that you're prepared and you're the best prepared. So once you're in the position and you have the opportunity, you're able to perfect your craft. Love it. Love it. And that my friends is the proverbial microphone drop right there. There's not a better way to close off an episode. Ladies and gentlemen, that was Eulish Booker, the CEO of the Spartan Global Network. He leads with Empower and it's an absolute home run. Really appreciate you taking some time to uh, you know, tell your story and share your leadership insight and, and also share um, information about the SGN. And hey, listeners, I think that bit of advice at the end right there, again, whether it's sport related, educational or corporate, you know, remove the doubt, turn over all the stones and being prepared because that is absolutely 100% in our control all the time. And as you've heard from me multiple times, controlling the controllables is uh, is what sets us up to be the best version of ourselves on a given day. So, Eulish, thank you very much, my friend. Really appreciate you taking the time to do that. No Listeners, be safe. Go out there and get after it, and we'll talk to you soon. Great leadership may look and sound different. However, there are common threads that connect all tremendous leaders. They are passionate about those that they lead, they do that which brings out their best and the best in those around them, and they never take the easy way out, because the exceptional will never come from easy.